1: guys hassle cattle company equals hassle free meat life that's right we brought you damn good beer and now we're delivering to you damn good beef hassle cattle company is the Mm. absolute best source for farm to table wagyu beef in the country oh wow guys is that did i say that right that seems like an important word
2: i believe it's wagyu
1: wagyu
0: so it's like a question justin
2: what yeah, do you think like, it is
0: <laughs> it's like kind of in between what you two said but i, I mean i'm not an expert but okay. by, well give us
2: any. your pronunciation give us your guess
0: like wagyu like it's okay i don't know you nice. don't like
2: Jake. Not, the goo isn't so pronounced mm, oh. i enunciated too much wagyu. on
3: the goo i yeah, thought okay. henry nailed it thank you, Jake. you i like there it you best. Go. let's wow. google it real um, quick hang
1: on <laughs> but i can tell you is that when people in the office were talking about this beef and who gets to try some, I was never included in the conversation because they said mm. that I would waste it, that this meat is too wow. good for me. Um, um, and whoa. Actually, I think whoa. I'm not sure if I've talked to any of you guys about this, but I actually <laughs> bought a steak this week and cooked it myself in part to prove that I could make meat into a meal, I guess. I've never bought a steak before. Um, so it's Wagyu. See, okay, so wagyu. And while we've just learned how to actually pronounce this word, mm. we do know that it is really really good meat that should not be wasted on me. I, I I like sometimes I think you see it on Twitter, like there's like the videos, I think it's like from Japan maybe, and mm. it's like it's marbled is a word that they use a lot in the way Correct. that the meat is. And Correct. uh it's pretty cool. Um very back rich, to a
2: very tasty, decadent yeah. kind of stuff. The kind of stuff That degenerate gamblers on college football like ourselves would really enjoy. You know, it goes really well with some some Breck beer, some gambling. You have that decadent meat. Booyah. Now that's a Saturday.
1: Wow. A Saturday that I'm not allowed to be a part of. Um, Hassle (laughs) Cattle Company is a fourth generation cattle farm out of Texas. They ship all over the beautiful U.S. of A. and straight to your door. They call their beef the blue collar Wagyu. Why? Mm. Because it's the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. Hassle Cattle Company offers Wagyu smoked sausage, New York strip, beef bacon, Wagyu frank without any fillers, two jerky flavors, original and sweet and spicy. That sounds like three. Uh, their hamburger one Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. Uh, not only do we love their oh, beef, yeah. the country loves their beef. These guys take their registered bulls and breed them with Angus cows, giving you that very high prime product that is grown with zero antibiotics and hormones. So head to HassleCattleCompany.com, H-A-S-S-E-L-L, CattleCompany.com, and use promo code DMVR10 for 10% off your order. That's DMVR10 for 10% off uh, any orders over $200, and you receive free shipping. Check them out, and we promise you will not be disappointed.
0: Wow. That was nice a lot so of
1: fun. I always love when we have new partners, um, especially when they're food. Great stuff. Great but, um, stuff. This is the DMVR Draft Podcast, which is presented by Draft Kings, uh, mm. who we'll talk more about later because we have a whole bunch of bets to be placing with DraftKings. Kings. Yeah. Um, I'm Henry Chisholm. Uh, Andre had some thoughts. Jake said that he thought I said it right. And Justin was the one who said, uh, um, Wagu, he, he came in with his so now you know which voice is which um guys what's up hey man how's it going oh you know just hanging out I ate some uh Captain Crunch you
3: there know I thought I was ready for the podcast but now I'm extremely hungry from that ad read mm. so uh and,
1: and the Captain Crunch
3: and the Captain Crunch of course Join
2: the, join, join the, yeah, I'm starving as well. Uh, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. We are starving for some football. There are primetime matchups across the board this week. Massive playoff implications. Uh, we're going to get into that as well. Um, I know that Henry is chomping at the bit with some USC takes. We are six and,
1: hours away from the game of the century.
2: Beautiful. Yep. And, um, Justin's ready to break down you know what what nightmare scenarios could unfold for the playoff committee maybe dream scenarios for us Um, and beyond all that we have some incredible matchups across the board basically in every single conference championship as far as prospects to lock in on Uh, first note. Unfortunately, we don't get Coastal against Louisiana. We've been big fans of Coastal all year, obviously, and that Louisiana running back. I know you and I, Jake, have Mm -hmm. been uh, tooting his horn at different times. So no raging Cajuns. Mm -mm. Yeah, Uh, Massive opportunity lost. But, Henry, tonight we have a game, game of the century. You've called it uh, the (laughs) runner-up Pac-12 North Division, not champion, runner-up playing against the Pac-12 South division champion, USC, um, who's looking real nice. As always, USC loaded with prospects and some really nice head-to-head matchups in this one. So who you got in this one? How's it all break down? And uh, what's USC's path to the college football playoffs?
1: I mean, the path is uh, slim, if it exists. I mean, you need at least like three things to happen and maybe you need more than that. Um, But just in terms of what USC needs to do, they need to win by a lot of points, which is something that they're capable of. They haven't really shown it much this year. I think they might have had one like 38-13 game, which is like certainly a a significant win, but Mm -hmm. it's mostly been these down to the wire finishes that uh, really do not help your case when you're sitting at 13th in the college football playoff ranking, you're going to have to make some noise. You're going to need to hit on some deep balls. And I think that that's exactly what they're going to be able to do tonight. Um, you look at the, the chemistry that has been growing with that offense with uh, Drake London and obviously Keaton Slovis, at quarterback with uh, Amon Ross St. Brown and Tyler Vaughns, and the running back of a mile has been incredible. We talked a lot about Elijah Barrett Tucker. They have a nice tight end too. The pieces are kind of starting to come together. You know, the running game against this Oregon defensive front is going to be sketchy to say the least, but if they get that going, then they'll be fine. And uh What it's really going to be about, though, is whether guys like D'Amador Lenore can shut down these receivers, and I don't think
2: they can. Yeah, Lenore against Amon Ross St. Brown, who I've always been pretty high on, will be interesting. Him against Tyler Vaughns, who's come along lately. Um, London's draft eligible, Hank? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. But, I mean, that's still a quality matchup. The best pro matchup is uh, Vera Tucker, the left tackle for USC, going against Kayvon Thibodeau, the number one recruit coming out of high school. He's just a true sophomore, but he's been a stud. Um, He's not draft eligible. That's huge for Vera Tucker. I mean, a really good performance against Thibodeau could be the difference between him being a top five interior offensive lineman taken in the top 50 to him being that Isaiah win, someone takes a roll of the dice on him as a tackle in the top 25. Um, and maybe that seems like an exaggeration for one game to swing things that much, but he only has one year of tape as a left tackle, which in the Pac-12 is six games of tape. So if you really show out against the best comp you've gone against, that would go a long way. Um, Jake and Justin, I want your take as well. Slovis, and uh Chase Howell with a couple other exceptions starting to look like the number 1 candidates to be the top quarterbacks in that 2022 class
1: I believe How you impressed? mean Sam Howell
2: Sam Howell yeah oh yep Chase is my our former colleague who <laughs> uh <laughs> That was great. Uh, I've been really good about not screwing up first names in a minute. Uh, that's an all timer though. That's an all timer. That's some epic crossover right there. Uh, but no, Sam somehow we've got some other ones. Uh, you know, for example, I'm in a dynasty Devi league and I need to start loading up on quarterbacks. And I'm looking to draft a guy um, that for 2022 already. Uh, so, Who should I be targeting? How do you? Who do you like? And you know, how do you see Slovis in this matchup? Where Hank Oregon starter will be playing as well. Shuff Shuck.
1: We learned it. Shuck. shuck. Uh, Yeah, he he should be playing. Last I heard, I'll I'll double check on that.
2: So, and he's another prime candidate for top quarterback in
1: 2022. Yeah, I mean, I've he's tailed off a bit in my mind.
3: Yeah, he has kind of. I guess, tailed off. I mean, he was very impressive when the season started um, and kind of just flattened out a bit. Slovis has been impressing me a bit, though. Um, there are some some concerns I have right now, but, I mean, we got plenty of time to get into his evaluation. Um, he's He really – I like his poise. He's been really nice to just watch in the pocket um, and also extending plays. Uh, you know, for someone as – I guess you would call him as a pure pocket passer, uh, he's been fun to watch and just – how he makes the plays and then his deep ball has been pretty impressive as well. I mean, when you've got the targets that he has, it's um, makes his job a bit easier for sure. Although I do have another guy I'd like to throw in the ring for the 2022 quarterbacks. We talked to him about him for a bit. Phil Djokovic man, Boston college. Your That's guy. my guy. Yep.
2: He fits. He fits. He belongs in there. Yeah. We'll see. Um, it's been interesting how BC has been, uh this year, you know, recovering from the loss of Adazio and how that offense has still looked pretty frisky.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's, uh, he was a Notre Dame transfer. I don't know if he was considered a dual threat, but he does make some plays on, his, on the ground as well as through the air. It's been really fun to watch. Um, Howell, I'm very intrigued by, especially after last week's matchup where they just completely took Miami behind the shed and beat the hell out of them. That was, I mean, Howell did his part in that game. Uh, That's not what beat down Miami, though, of course. But he's been someone, even from the beginning of the season, just you want to talk about a dual threat and that body type with him, too. I mean, he's imposing as a runner. And that's something that I think you can kind of build on for the future at North Carolina. Uh, When it comes to draft consideration, though, we'll obviously have to wait and see. But as a college quarterback, he's a lot of fun and can be dominant at times. He
2: had one throw from his own end zone, that was something else. Uh, Justin, bring it back around. Quarterbacks for twenty twenty two, and uh, we got to start making picks on this Pac twelve championship, my man. Also, do you, you're the real. You are the realist on this panel, Justin. Uh, you are the one willing to tell it how it is. Do the Trojans have any real shot to make the playoffs? I mean, how many things need to go down for USC to actually have a shot and be that fourth team in the playoffs?
0: According to all the people on ESPN, the math gives them an opportunity to sneak in. But as we know, it's a human decision. It comes down to the committee. Mm. I just don't see the committee giving USC that respect over Notre Dame or Clemson unless it just – I think USC would have to absolutely roll Oregon, not even a game, kick their ass. Yeah. Then on top of that, I think they need Notre Dame to lose by double digits or the other way around. You know, Clemson lose by double digits. Yep. And even so, like, I think it would have to be like 20 plus points, you know, even like a 17 point victory. Yeah. I still think they, I just think they give those teams the benefit of the doubt based on the resume, the extended schedule. Whether that's fair or not, that's obviously a completely different conversation. I mean, we can talk about other teams that got screwed as well. Cincinnati. How the hell did they drop? They didn't even play. It's it's just such a weird, wonky system, yeah. and I don't see USC jumping them. As far as twenty-two, jeez, uh, tw- I'm getting tongue-tied here, guys. Sorry. Nice. As far as twenty-twenty-two quarterbacks, uh, I'm not really sold on Slivis or Howell at this point yet. Mm-hmm. Howell's looked really good down the stretch. I just I worry about his you know accuracy consistently. We'll have to see. They really lean on that run game. It, it's going to be kind of interesting to see like what NFL scouts think of him what he's able to do next year, kind of building off of this performance. You just don't want to end up in a situation where it's, you know, Trubisky all over again, where we're buying in too much based on one year's worth of work.
2: Fair point right there. Um, and it's Trojans minus three. Who you got?
0: I, I think USC is going to win it. I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it'll be a pretty good game. I I do have some concerns about Oregon defensively. Henry kind of brought those up a little bit, especially that defensive line. I don't, I I think USC ultimately is able to win. I think they're probably able to get it done. If they don't, man, what a blown opportunity for the Pac-12 after all of this. You don't give CU an opportunity in the Pac-12 title game. You don't even get anybody in the playoffs. So it's it's not a great time to be a Pac-12 fan.
2: Ain't that the truth Um, though. Maybe a little fake news right there. Cause it's always a great time to be a Pac-12 fan. Cause it's kind it's kind of real entertaining and it's almost better to be on the front. Like as a Pac-12 fan, you'd rather be the hipster on the fringes of the power five than, than be legit. You know, like that's that Pac-12 life Um games at 2am and being able to complain about the AP not staying up late enough to watch you. That's that Pac-12 life. Um, also, USC, I would love a hook on this because they are reverse L.A. Chargers. All the late-game luck that the Chargers don't have, the Trojans are taking and reversing. Um, so this minus three terrifies me. It's probably a push. If I could get that at, like, plus plus a 1,000, I would. Um, Henry, who's winning this? Trojans by a million? Yeah. Yeah. USC nice. is there the best
1: go. team here. Like, the Oregon just doesn't have it this year. Like occasionally they can get the running game going. A lot of the time they can't. Sometimes their quarterback is decent. Sometimes he throws a bunch of interceptions. Like the defense has some really great pieces, but they're just missing some pieces. Like most of that secondary, if, if, if they hadn't had so many opt-outs in that secondary, then I think this game would be totally different. But as oh, it yeah. stands now, like I just, I, it's, it's all, it's all USC, I think. And uh, to talk about the quarterbacks a little bit, I do agree. Like at this point, it's Slovis and Howell at the top of next year's class. Um, but there's a bunch of other, like Jaden Daniels in the Pac 12 with Arizona yeah. State. I think he could be a, a great I mean, pickup. Yeah. Um,
2: well, also, we'll see where the Arizona QB transfers. That's to, where right? I was going like,
1: next. Yeah. Grant Canell, where's he going to wind up? Cools um, for days. Because he he just about won some games with Arizona, which is a big accomplishment at Arizona. And if you can almost win a football game at Arizona, I mean, he might be a national championship winner if he transfers to Bama.
2: Also, one of the better head-to-head running back matchups we'll see um, all season with uh, I can't pronounce the USC kid's name.
1: Vive Malapayai.
2: Yeah, who I love him. He is a like a destroyer. He's really good receiving, but Watch out because he's lowering his shoulder and he's coming for your head. Watching him against Penny Sewell's little brother uh, is going to be really fun. CJ Verdell on the other side. Uh, he's another heat seeking missile, like a, a bad MF. Um, so that's going to be really fun. I, I'm just going to say my spiel now so we can move on to Jake and then move on to the next game. I, I guess I'm taking the Trojans minus three, though. Again, I basically think this is going to be a push and it's going to come down to a field goal.
0: Uh, yeah. Just speaking of quarterbacks for the next class real quick, and we don't have to go, to go into it, but Patrick O'Brien, former oh, Nebraska man. starter, former Colorado State starter, on the move in the transfer portal. Not a shock. Him and Adasio didn't click at all. I said all season he would leave. Then again, CSU fans are still going to panic about it. Uh, Be yeah, an interesting spot, though, a guy that could probably start at the P5 level. I, you know, I don't think he's going to take over a top 25 team or anything like that, but any of those P5 teams that need a quarterback, Gonna be interesting to see where Patrick O'Brien lands one year of eligibility. A guy you'd probably only bring in if you think he's gonna start, but it'll be interesting.
2: Craziness. Um, um maybe Tate Martell to CSU. A little a little trade, send them to the U. Get Tate Martell back. Uh, I wish we could do that. Jake, who, who wins this back 12 championship?
3: Uh, I don't want to put the curse on us, but I think I'm gonna have to take USC as well. Mm. Um, I I just don't see it from Oregon. I mean, I've watched them a few times this year, and they're kind of – I mean, they're young, man. They're sloppy. I mean, I do like Verdell, and I like Dye a lot as well, the other running back. Um, So there's going to be a lot of players to watch on both sides. I just don't think that Oregon is really seasoned enough to really win this game in this spot. But who knows? I mean, I'll probably be be wrong with all that's gone on in this show with the picks. So, yeah
2: yeah we uh we just walked into a massive trap, so I would advise anyone listening to take what they just heard do the exact opposite and hammer Oregon plus. Three. Um, okay, that's sadly kind of the only thing we've got going on Friday. It was supposed to be a more lit slate than it is. But then it comes down to Saturday where Big Ten championship Northwestern against Ohio State. Um, you know, Justin Fields show. This is a big one, Ohio State kind of like the ACC champs or uh, Alabama, I think kind of gets in regardless of the result. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Um, What am I seeing? Buckeyes by 20. I think that's bait. I think Northwestern covers um, Northwestern well-coached team. They've got some playmakers on offense. Patty Fisher has been there forever. Interior linebacker and some talent that cornerback but it's all about the prospects for ohio state on the o-line the skill positions everywhere sean wade needs to kind of pick it back up restore that stock jake we're going to start with you how do you see this penny now and who's your pick
3: well obviously i think ohio state's going to win this game i'd be extremely shocked if northwestern came yeah. and really took it to ohio state um in terms of covering the spread though i I kind of lean towards Ohio State. I'm not completely hmm. sold on this Northwestern team offensively. No, I don't really know if they could hang around with Ohio State if things yeah. got high scoring. Yeah. And also, I believe that Ohio State has some guys on defense that could really cause Ramsey some problems. The uh, running game for Northwestern has been kind of touch and go as well. Yeah. So while the number is enticing at 20, I do kind of worry, you know, if. Ohio State goes up by two, three touchdowns in the first half. Does Northwestern have enough to bring that total back and kind of close that spread down to that 20 gap? Um, I guess I'm going to take the minus 20. I'm going to take the bait. I just, man, uh, that's a tough one.
2: I like your thinking, and I think maybe an Ohio State... Oh, I don't have a spread for the first quarter, but we will be monitoring that first quarter spread because I think Jake just outlined a very nice path to taking like a Buckeyes minus three and a half in a first quarter spread. Uh, Justin, a Big Ten championship intrigued? How's this pan out?
0: Honestly, this is the game that I'm least looking forward to in terms of the conference championship slate. I mean, Ohio State's going to roll. The spread scares me a little bit. I I think Ohio State covers. I really do. But it's just one of those things by principle. I'm not gonna put money on it. I won't touch a twenty point spread in a conference championship game at this point of year. It shoot, Ohio State might win this game by 40 and I'll be kicking myself for not doing it. But it's just one of those I just don't it's I won't take Alabama by seventeen over Florida, even though I think they're a twenty five point team better than Florida. Yeah. I'm just it's 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 too tight. It's December when weird stuff happens.
2: Damn, straight. And what a weird season for Ohio State. They don't get to play Michigan. They get Indiana when the quarterback's injured. You know, Northwestern's their toughest test, like big whoop. They don't even have their best player in Rashawn Slater, who's an opt-out. Kind of a bummer this Ohio State season that could have been so much more promising. Hank, you taking the the bait? You laying all these points? Or what you doing here? You're a smart guy. People are smart who go to Northwestern.
1: They, they usually are. Um, well, well, I don't know. They're they're supposed to be, but uh, to get to the game, um, I think that Ohio state, there's a real chance that Northwestern's defense just can't keep up with them. Like that. They just tear that defense apart because that defense hasn't seen anything like Ohio state because there really aren't many things like Ohio state's offense. Um, and that, that tempts me to take that minus 20. Um, it's also tempting that Ohio state needs to win this big, you know, it's rare that you see a spread like this and the team is probably thinking we need to cover this spread. And And they might not be thinking in terms of we need to cover the spread. They may be thinking we need to win by 25 so that we get into the college football playoff. But it, it basically in this situation, the team is trying to win by a lot. And that makes me feel a lot more comfortable to take a team um, when the spread is this big I still Big haven't point. committed
0: to doing it yet though, just because it scares me. I do like that you brought that up though, the style points thing. It is a situation where, like you said, you know, they're gonna go in there with the mindset, we have to throw sixty on the board tonight. You know, we're trying to prove without doubt we are one of the top four teams in the country.
2: Yeah, and I mean I wonder how much can Patty Fisher and guys like that keep up with like the Justin Fields runs. Exactly, the, you know. All that's you know, all the the picks, yeah. slants, they 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 really stress that middle of the field. And as soon as you you start to overreact to that. Bye bye,
3: Chris well, you break Two or three of them and the yeah. game's
2: over. It's over. It's gonna it's be over. a big
3: test for those linebackers, especially in the RPO game. I mean, are you gonna yes. be able to keep up and kind of exactly. you know see everything on the field or are you gonna get exposed? So Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I mean shoot, Northwester plays them tight. Uh we might be talking about um Remind me, who's their coach? I'm blanking on his name, but we, he might be a top candidate for the NFL in, in a month, you know, Fitzgerald. Exactly. So, uh, you know, <laughs> game that could swing a lot of things and sticking on that line of coaches who could put their names in some big time coaching carousels. By the way, this weekend we had our first big opening um, come alive and we were talking about that in the chat. Um, so let's get into that big 12 championship, Oklahoma suddenly sneaks up on us there in this still plenty of uh, prospects to monitor for the Sooners, but this is really all about Campbell's Iowa state cyclones, uh, Brock Purdy. I'm sure I'll be writing a full scale apology to him next week. Um, and yeah, like a great story, long, nice, tight end, um, um, maybe the best running
0: back in the country.
2: Yep. 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 And uh, what sooners favored by six, Um, even the bookmakers given some respect here because the sooners typically would be double digit favorites. Justin, I, I can just see you glowing about a matchup like this. This is your, this is your kind of college football, Iowa, Oklahoma, those kind of States. You are at home. You're at peace. How's this all pan out? My
3: friend.
0: I'm really excited about this game. Yeah. I, I, I think it's going to be close for most of it. I think Iowa State's running game is going to be hard on Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see some mistakes from Spencer Atler. I think he's really improved yes. down the stretch, but I think Iowa State's defense is good enough to you know, get in his face to confuse him a little bit, mm-hmm. maybe make him try and just make some tight window throws. Can you make big decisions down the stretch, make big-time throws? We haven't really seen it that consistently from him throughout the season. That said, it's just one of those situations where it it feels like a trap, like six points. You're thinking, Oh, Iowa state. They're going to keep it close. Yeah. But the, just the general athleticism gap between these two teams is pretty significant. Mm-hmm. The speed that Oklahoma has at wide receiver. I don't know. It's It's one of those where I think they probably pull away late in the end, end up winning by like two touchdowns, mm-hmm. but it's going to be a great game. It's going to be one we want to watch. And guys on Iowa state, an opportunity to really shoot up the draft board. I mean, this is the type of game that they want. Everybody has their eyes on them. You know, prove us wrong. Prove that Iowa state is, you know, deserves the top 10. They got the most flack for being a top 10 team. Why'd you drop Cincinnati? Why'd you move up a two loss Iowa state team? Well, here we go. Iowa state can prove themselves this weekend. Yeah. You got your opportunity. What are you made of?
2: And really nice battle schematically. Cause of course, Campbell, kind of hot coaching name. Uh, Lincoln Riley is the guy that the entire NFL would do anything for, but can't have because Lincoln Riley is the ultimate testament of how in the coaching game, being a college coach, much better deal than being an NFL coach. Jake, how do you see this?
3: I agree mostly with what Justin said. Um, I keep on coming back to the Iowa state offense. I think that it's going to be really a fine balance between kind of bleeding the clock with Brees Hall on the, on the ground game and Purdy making enough plays through the air. Uh, when they matched up earlier in the year, I think it was early October when they first played uh, Iowa state Won by seven, it was 37 to 30. So mm-hmm. a fairly high scoring game, uh, Purdy's stat line though, only 50% completion, 12 to 24, 254 yards, one touchdown. I think he's going to have to play better than that. If they want to beat this team again, um, yeah. Rattler, as Justin said, he has improved, but he has shown those stretches where he can, like, force the ball and create some turnovers for the other team. If that's the case, I do like Ohio State defensively, and I think Matt Campbell can kind of force Rattler into those situations. Yeah. The six points is enticing. I think that's going to be where I'm going to go with uh, uh, the Cyclones in the six. Yep,
1: yeah.
2: Nice.
1: I, I like the over 58 points. I think both these offenses are going to uh, – Really put up some points. Brock Purdy's playing some of the best football he's played all season. Those last three games, he's not missing passes. He hasn't thrown interception. He's completed at least 60% of his passes in five straight. Um, and only one of those was kind of close to 60. So I, I think that that offense is in a really good place. Going up against Oklahoma, you just assume that that offense is going to be clicking um, because of Lincoln Riley. And, and so I really like the over, um, uh, in terms of taking a side, I would lean Iowa state with the points.
2: Nice. Um, a little split panel, which is always the best. I love your guys call on the over and I'm with Justin on Oklahoma lane, the five and a half. Uh, so a little movement there. Um, yeah, I, A rattler scares the hell out of me. Uh, uh, Too many mistakes from him is going to keep this close and really make me regret this pick. But I think the advantages, not just at the skill positions uh, on the play calling side and in the trenches is too much, you know, Creed Humphrey, one of the best uh, interior linemen, the, the edges and defensive linemen, some of the top tackle for a loss getters in the country are on Oklahoma. And Ronnie Perkins is a guy who's got getting some buzz. Um, from a draft perspective, um, in an, an edge class that keeps gaining depth, the we Broncos fans keep being a bit weary of guys within that top twenty range. But there's depth. You, we want a top top hundred. The edge positions really loaded, and Perkins is up there. Um, also, Mike Rose. We talked about you know how um, it, the the linebackers are going to be stressed for Northwestern. That's definitely the case in this one for the Iowa State. Uh, linebackers with Mike Rose being the guy who's really going to be uh, be put to the test and has an opportunity to really rise up. But I like the Sooners and I like that over there. Um, we've got the big, big games coming up next. Henry, before we do that, let's take a quick break. I know you've got some special shout outs, some, uh, some bills you want to pay, maybe some more complaints you want to uh, vent out about not getting free stuff from our advertisers.
1: Um, as much as I'd like to, I can't really complain uh, because DraftKings is giving me free money. Um, it feels yeah. like just yesterday that Los Angeles was lifting basketball's most coveted prize. And That's since not. then, we've introduced a new class of professional basketball players through the draft and seen a few marquee true. names switch teams. Yeah. Luckily for us sports fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app, is here to kick off the 2021 basketball season with oh, yeah. a no-brainer for all customers, new and existing. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. To celebrate the return of basketball, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a plus 75-point spread on the team of your choice on opening night. That's right. All you have to do is bet on any opening night game, and if your team doesn't lose by more than 75 points, you will double your money. This Saturday, there will be an endless amount of action to get in on, so don't wait. Head to the App now. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get a plus 75-point spread on opening night for a shot to double your money. That's code DMVR to get a shot at doubling your money on opening night for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.
2: Nice. That's it. Beautiful.
1: Yep. yep we did it.
2: All right. I, we got to do it. Um, dealers choice, ACC or SEC. Let's start with the ACC. It's um, Jeremiah Owusu-Koroma's world. We are simply so living in it. Uh, was it, though, really? Um, yeah. That's the only time I will try to pronounce it in full is on special occasions. If the Broncos draft him, I will again try to pronounce it in full. For the most part, I will just say J-O-K. Uh, he, boy, he, he's got to take care of Trevor Lawrence. He's got to look after Travis at the end. He's, um, you know, we've got these edge rushers for Notre Dame that got to come after Jackson Carmen, and we're going to see how Trevor Lawrence handles pressure. Dare I say, the last loss Trevor Lawrence suffered against LSU was in part because the quarterback he was playing against, Joe Burrow, was the better one in handling pressure and um, and, you know, Notre Dame, they've got some dudes. Ian Book is playing well. Lots of NFL talent on that offensive line that's going to be tested. I want to keep watching uh, Darian Kendrick, the high-end corner for Clemson. Another guy we've seen mocked to the Broncos. It's a phenomenal matchup. Obviously, the Irish won the big one when Lawrence wasn't playing uh, in the regular season. It's a whole different game now, and it's Clemson favored by 10 and a half Jake. Um, wow. I'm a little shook from that line. I didn't realize it was that high. They are just baiting you to bet on the Irish. Yeah. It's kind of disrespectful,
3: isn't it? Sure
2: is. Sure is. Brian Kelly uh, shots fired to you, brother.
3: Sure. Um, I mean, I look at this game and I, obviously you go back to the one from earlier in the year, and DJ Uyunglele really played well. I mean, even if Lawrence was in in that game yeah. and he matched DJ's performance, I mean, I don't, I still don't know if Clemson wins that game. Yeah. Um, especially if Ian Book comes back and plays the way that he did in that uh, that first matchup, that would go huge in this game. I wanted to ask you guys though, it playoff implications in this game. I mean, is there any way either of these teams don't make the playoff?
0: Somebody gets rolled. Somebody gets rolled and USC dominates. It's really, I mean, it's going to have to be an eye test thing. That's so significant that they're like, we just, we don't think either one of these teams should be back again. We already got the big time Clemson Notre Dame matchup though. And I just, I, even if it ends up being a blowout, like, I think they're going to give them the benefit of the doubt and just say, you know, we've, we've seen it all season. Mm -hmm. They, they did get the one win earlier. How do you keep them out? Yeah. Yeah. To, to me, I really think, I don't know. It's tough. I, I
1: do think that the only team that could jump all the way up there is USC. I don't think, I mean, I, I think like if Ohio state loses something like that, then something else could happen. But in terms of Clemson or Notre Dame missing the playoff, I don't think two loss Clemson misses it so that Texas a and at seven and one, not even competing for a conference championship gets in. I do think they would have to be for USC to get in. And uh, I, I think that the odds are pretty long that that happens.
2: Don't forget a and either.
1: Yep. No. Huh. Yeah, because I was thinking... One that loss I didn't A&M. Think, yeah, not even playing for the conference championship, though.
3: They have a game this week, though. We've seen it before. A two yeah, they loss play Tennessee. two-loss Clemson
0: without a conference championship and two losses to the conference champion, though. I mean, yeah. I, I, didn't really think,
1: I didn't really think about it that way. I think if you have two losses, yeah. you shouldn't even be considered for being in the college football playoff. But I don't have faith that the committee sees things the way I do. No, that's the that's clear
2: right. scenario though. If Clemson loses, they have no business being in the top four. Agreed. I mean, there's just no scenario. Um, yeah. Justin's shaking his head. Like it, I would so only
0: entertain the there's there are teams that deserve to go in more than Clemson, but based on the way we know the playoff works, mm-hmm. A two, I, th- I think it just comes down to yes. I think everybody would say, "How do you put a two-loss Clemson team in? They didn't win their conference championship. They lost to the conference champion not once but twice." But it's it's just such an eye test thing. Like it'll be like when Alabama didn't win the SEC a couple of years ago, but still managed to get in.
3: Yeah, they won the title that year.
0: And they did. Yeah, they won the they won, they won, the, won the title. title. It, it proved them right. That's but more I, the
2: A and M argument than the Clemson argument. If Clemson loses twice.
0: Yeah, fair. You but know, the like, president is there. You know what I So maybe yeah. they
2: get in. They just have like, I guess the ACC was better. There are some quality wins on that schedule compared to others.
0: North Carolina was a lot better this yeah. year. We have talked yeah. about them. Miami. Yeah, Miami yeah. was pretty good. It's not a bad league.
2: No, it's not. Mm. Interesting. Um, I so I have one more yeah. thought.
0: I, I would say that
1: I might even include clemson with two losses ahead of ohio state with uh with a win this week just just like if you look through the resume in terms of like like ohio state's beaten two ranked teams one's penn state who we know is no good the other is indiana um i guess they will have beaten northwestern too so that does change things but six and oh Having played those teams versus Clemson, doing what Clemson's done, and losing to Notre Dame twice, I, it, I think it's an interesting discussion.
2: If there, if the Big Ten didn't hold so much political power, I think you'd have a case. Yeah, um, Big Ten's just bending themselves over backwards, and like there's we just the trends of how the committee ranks these playoffs. We like it doesn't take a, a genius with inside information um to know that yeah the big 10 like holds some real weight mm-hmm. in making those decisions and would a, a, an undefeated ohio state team just will not be left out yeah um, no chance so have we been have we given picks already everyone's taken taken uh, clemson basically
1: i'm taking notre dame i'm
0: taking notre dame
1: yeah
0: are you taking them to cover or taking them covered. to win to cover cover okay just yeah. clarifying I mean, 10, like Jake was saying
1: half. earlier, like you you sub in Trevor Lawrence for uh, Hugo Lele in that game. Wow, like DJ. yeah, for DJ, uh, it's it's not a seventeen point difference. In fact, I think that there's a good chance that it's like a negative point difference, and that doesn't mean that I'd rather have DJ play this week. I certainly wouldn't, but it's not like that was why they didn't win that game. Exactly. Um, if if you want to say it win, it's because they had like a couple of defensive guys who were out too who are supposed to be back, but, but I I really think that this is like, this should be a five point spread, a six point spread. I I don't think that this should be a 10 and a half point spread. It's gotta be Notre Dame.
3: Mm. Andre doesn't like that.
0: I think going to roll on.
2: You just triggered me. And I think, I think it might be a little naive to say that DJ and is really his first college start. Was not a downgrade to the best quarterback I've seen in the last 15 years in college football.
1: I mean, he Um, threw for 435 yards and no touchdowns, right? I'm
2: with you, brother. He took over in that late, (laughs) he took over in that late first quarter, but Notre Dame got a little tight and DJ and that offense weren't able to pounce for the kill until late, forcing overtime. And then what happened happened. I think if Trevor's there, they are able to go in for the kill and there's no overtime and they're able to win it outright. Are they able to win by 11 or more though?
1: Not close. Mm, mm,
2: Not close. Mm. I, I think Brian Kelly's built that program up. I'm very, very tempted. I think Notre Dame is mega bait here, but I'm, I'm, I'm taking the Irish 10 and a half plus 10 and a half. I'm doing that. Um, I, I believe in what they've built. I really do, and I don't think Clemson is at the level they've been, even the last five years defensively. They just aren't. They're too young. Um, they've they've run into that thing that makes Bama so great. Is Bama's all the farm system is never made up of pure true freshmen. It's always like redshirt sophomores that have been. They've been in the ranks. They've been playing fourth quarters in those 60-point blowouts. Saban's groomed them. They're ready. That was starting a little too much inexperience. That's going to catch up to them here, and they're not going to cover the spread, though I think they'll win. Um, The other big game, Bama, Florida. I mean, two best offenses in the country, probably. Um, Like 10 legit pro prospects on either side of the offense. Just a conservative estimate, probably. Two top 50 quarterbacks, arguably, two Heisman finalists, maybe every Heisman finalist coming out of this game. Justin, this is again your territory. uh, And you already hinted to the spread and you're laying the points? No, you're taking the Gators plus 17.
0: If I were, well, as an Alabama fan, I I don't want to bet on Florida to cover against them just because that'll tear me up inside. But if I was, you know, if I was placing money, I would definitely put money on the Gators covering that spread. It just comes down to it's December. It's a conference championship game. I think Alabama's a lot better than Florida. I think they are a 17 point team better than Florida, but I just think it's going to be closer than that. Alabama defensively is not what they've been either. You know, we just talked about Clemson, you know, they're not the strong, you know, Mm -hmm. Clemson defense we're used to. Well, it's not really the strong Bama defense we're used to either. It's not, it's gotten a lot better as the season's gone on, it's more disciplined. I like what we've seen from the secondary. I think the linebackers are really underrated on Alabama's side, but Mm
3: -hmm. it's,
0: it's just one of those. It's going to be tight. You know, we've, we've been really high on Kyle Trask. He's got great weapons. He's played really well based on everything that we've seen. It seems absurd to say Florida is going to lose by that much. I'm much more likely to take the over if I'm going to put money on that, but even then it's like 74 and a half points. It's so many points. I mean, I I don't know. From a betting perspective, this game kind of scares me in a lot of different ways. But it's the game I'm most excited to watch.
2: It's going to be a great one. I mean, this is the ultimate 2020 football matchup right here. Um, Just pro matchups all over the place.
0: Heisman's probably on the line this weekend either way.
2: Definitely. And I love how you outlined this. I almost think Florida's at an advantage coming off a loss and Alabama's at a disadvantage coming off of like two months straight of blowing teams out by 40.
0: They haven't had a game in forever.
2: You get tighter when you're not used to playing in close games. Like when you haven't played in a close game all season, you get way tighter. Florida who no longer has playoff implications, who just got embarrassed by LSU they're not just worried want to play spoilers man exactly exactly when you play with house money you are dangerous i'm taking plus 17 i'm taking the under these two te- defenses are too well coached too talented for the- and i mean look it's not like saban and mullen haven't been preparing for this matchup for like a month and a half it, they didn't just wake up Monday and be like, oh, preparing for the Gators. I wonder, let's watch some tape. Uh, I wonder what they bring to the table. No, they're they're studied up. They're ready. Um, so I, I think with those coaches, they don't let us get out of hand in a shootout like that. Um, but, man, this is phenomenal. Jay, who you got?
3: So... I, Justin I know you said you're a bit nervous betting this game I do have I wish I had the actual nugget but Alabama's covered the spread in like seven or eight straight games and these are massive spreads that they've been covering so but I, it's true
0: and I've every time I've kicked myself for not taking it so that's a great yeah. point that you brought up because all season I've been like look I trust this Alabama team more than I trust anyone it's just principle these spreads have been so absurd that I've been scared to take them but I've just been missing out on opportunities to make money. So listen to Jake here.
3: I'm right there with you, man. Even last week I saw them against Arkansas and I was like, Ooh, 28 and a half, man. I don't know. And I don't know why. Yeah. I don't even know why I thought that, um, that this game, I'm really excited to watch, uh, as Andre said, lots of prospect matchups across the board, really going to see if Marco Wilson gets exposed here again. I mean, obviously he had the shoe throwing incident at the end of the Florida game that caused them to lose. But he was getting beat like a drum out there, man. And uh, it was a true freshman. I think it was a true freshman. Kayshaun Booty, the LSU red receiver, comes out wearing number one. Uh, basically, as soon as Terrace Marshall declares, this guy is getting fed like crazy and has broken 100 yards in both of those games. And it really exposed Marco Wilson. Uh, he was someone that I kind of liked. But, man, that was just a rough showing. And now you're going to have Devontae Smith and uh, Mechie on him. We'll see. Um, the 17 point spread though, in a game like this, I, I feel like these games always kind of come down to the wire a bit more, especially these sec championship games. are always a lot closer than we think. Yeah. I do like the under, uh, that would be a number that I like taking, but just to pick the spread for pick's sake, I guess I'll take Florida in the 17.
1: Yeah. I mean, There's... you guys have both taking the under and I think that you're probably right, but 74 and a half is yeah. a crazy number for an SEC yeah. championship game. And I'm oh, really hoping this is the one where we finally get to stop hearing about SEC defenses because it's a myth that hasn't been what happens down there in <laughs> years. This is an offensive conference. This is it's the it's the big 12 down there, and it's time to just say that. Um, but yeah, okay, in terms Mr. of like... Pac-12, get them. <laughs> well, no, but that's what's so frustrating because it's like nobody plays defense. It's like, well... Watch, watch this game tonight. Watch, watch Oregon go out there, put together a good defensive effort. Not, not against Bama. Fair to say, but then watch this tomorrow and tell me which conference has some defense. Um, boy, could that sound dumb a week from now if I'm wrong? But uh, the, <laughs> the, the, um, I do think like 74 and a half. It has to be under because what does Boston. that mean? That means it's what like, oh, like God, 40 to 35,
2: 42 35
0: yeah. game could happen with these. 40 offenses. to
2: 35 could definitely happen.
1: I, I know it could happen, but in like, an SEC championship, like the, one of these two know.
2: teams is going for over 40. Am I not wrong?
0: I, I, I would I, be surprised, but it's do both is, is really do both. That's
2: to. the thing. Like I could easily see this being Bama 42,
0: like 28,
1: maybe
2: exactly. 42, 28 is exactly what I basically have.
1: Uh, yeah. And that, that gets you four and a half points short. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm going to put money on so Florida plus points. 17. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know what else to do here. Like, I, I don't know what to expect because this could be a game where both teams score in the 60s. It'll be it interesting.
0: Does. I hope we get a dumb one where it's just like 50 I do too. To 47 That'd be a lot of 47 or something like that. I mean, it'll I make me sweat and I'll hate every minute of it. But I feel pretty good about Bama making the playoff either way. So let's get a crazy game.
2: Be yeah. awesome. House Mullen never got too frisky against Bama in his time at Mississippi State, maybe with Dak once, but that's oh, about it, right? Yeah, did they? they oh, Dak Mullen did ask, that, right? one time, but yeah. it was Mullen there. I'm pretty sure he hmm. was, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Dan was there for sure. Um, who was the quarterback they had after Dak? He never did anything. Fitzgerald, right?
0: Fitzgerald,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they had a, a Starkle for a while, too. Yeah, I Everybody's mean,
0: he's had Starkle.
2: But like every, every single defender on Bama is basically going outside of the trenches, especially it's going against the pro prospect at Florida. And that's a primetime matchup. Um, and then, you know, Florida, those guys have a big opportunity. An edge steps up against uh, Leatherwood or, um, you know, w- what is it, Dickerson on the inside? Um, yeah. Probably I, I could tell you more like plays they've done on film than their actual names. It's embarrassing. <laughs> um and you know in the secondary Devonte smith like this could be the first wide receiver since i was born in 1987 tim brown to win the heisman
0: has it really been oh, that long
2: i'm pretty yeah. certain
0: yeah holy shoot sorry yeah. try not to swear so much no, <laughs> no but, <laughs> but i mean man.
2: you're right it's been a minute I, honestly i was seeing a fun thing on twitter like say who won the heisman in your draft year you're basically dating yourself if your Heisman winner is a non quarterback. True. Sure. Like, huh. Because last 20 years, it's nothing but
3: quarterback. His well, was
0: Eddie George, 1995.
2: Wow.
3: Legendary. Isn't Charles Woodson the last non quarterback or running back to win the Heisman in 97? <gasps> that was Did the year he... I was born. He would be Did mine. Did Reggie not win
0: it? No, Reggie, Reggie but... won a Heisman.
3: Reggie but won it. But I'm saying Robert the first. The the only non-quarterback or running back to win it was Charlie. Oh, Woodson. not or running
2: oh, back or, or running back. back. Right, yeah. right. Because right. Derek Henry won. Yeah, no, I too. think you're right. Yeah. I think you're exactly right. My birth year. Um, so I
3: don't like even know my birth year
2: one. We're on the verge of history. It, I would say, like unprecedented times, we could see a wide receiver uh win the Heisman, but unprecedented times doesn't mean what it used to mean. So uh we will go ahead of that. Charlie worked for me. Ooh uh nba draft pick charlie ward uh (laughs) gotta love that we do have a mac championship tonight so watch um buffalo you know you gotta watch Jarrett patterson he's a legit uh like nfl prospect and what he's doing is insane we kind of talked about him in our all americans and justin mountain west you know san jose um State against uh Boise is gonna be fun. That San Jose State offense is uh you know there's six enjoyable. and a half
0: point dogs in that. There there's there's potential for upset in that game. That's a good San Jose State team. Like <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Boise probably pulls it out in the end. I think it's just gonna be tough. They have so much speed at wide receiver, Boise State does. It's insane. But and then I'm really it's gonna be a good game. It might be better than a lot of these games we've talked about, to be honest.
2: Yeah. And AAC, Xavier Collins, we get to watch him at Tulsa go against Cincinnati. Uh, Mijay Sanders, my favorite pro- prospect on the Bearcats, their edge rusher. Boy, does he look the part. Uh, he's just not there yet. He's super raw. So, Henry, any special shout outs you need to make before we get into some listener questions? Note from last week, uh, any final ties up before we close this out?
1: Well, we should remind the good people listening to this podcast um, that you can subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee mm. and get 20% off of every order. It's a great deal. Strava Craft is CBD-infused coffee. You can get it in a whole bunch of different forms. We want like, the whole beans or the grounds or the K-cups or whatever. Uh, Strava Craft Coffee has CBD-infused whatever kind of coffee you want. And, uh, you can go to the website. You can actually use the code DMVR20 and get 20% off your first order from Strava. Um, and if you like it, then, like I said, you can subscribe, you'll get your coffee shipped to you every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks. Um, and you'll get 20% off of any product that you subscribe to every single time. It's a great deal. Make sure you take advantage of it. It really is good stuff. Uh, doesn't give you the jitters. CBD can help with anxiety and Body aches or whatever, um, so check it out because it's helped a lot of people and it might help you too. And again, that's code DNVR twenty to get twenty percent off your first order, or if you subscribe, you get twenty percent off every single order.
2: Oh yeah, good stuff. Yeah, nice. Um, all right, the count comes bearing gifts in a nice little, uh, you know, draft uh, draft conundrums. Okay, gents. The pantheon of Broncos draft nerds on Twitter are pounding the table for a tackle or cornerback in round one. I'm willing to bet that this does not happen. Munchak has the James contract in the books and Calvin Anderson as well as Moody to fill in the gaps for at least another year. And Fangio likes very specific players. He'd rather develop guys unless they are Hall of Fame-like prospects. With OJ Moody coming on strong and Bouye likely back along with Bassey, I just don't see the front office going in this direction. What do you think? And I know it's early, but if you had to guess on position odds, not player, what position do you think they'll draft and look in round one? I look forward to your rants. Love the count. We love you, the count. Wonderful question. This is interesting. Um, I've said it before. I've never been more torn on who the Broncos will draft. And um, I will remind you, while this is a very fun exercise and a great question, all these decisions are kind of made in a vacuum. It's fun to then look in retrospect and read into it and see a million different trends. In the end, they're all made in a vacuum. Um, so, yeah, maybe there is that linebacker or that cornerback that uh jumps at you um or even that offensive lineman but if you were to go by position and handicap the most likely to be addressed in round one who would what what spot would you go with hank
1: um i think cornerback is a good guess um you know here's my thing the cornerback's you can get excited about them with Boye and Ojemudia and Bassi and Bryce Callahan. Mm-hmm. But where does that room rank in the NFL? Maybe like middle of the pack when, when, when healthy.
3: Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: And, and so you factor At in best. the fact that like, they're never actually healthy. And if yeah. one of the two that are significantly better than the other two isn't playing you all already drop all the way down to the bottom of the league. Like that is, that is a room that I think really needs to be shored up. Um, And that combined with just the, the way the cornerbacks are sitting on this board, you know, I could see a bunch of different scenarios where the Broncos are in a good position to draft a cornerback, whether that's like they, they wind up in the top 10 and certain falls to them or they wind up at 14 and 15 and one of like Farley or JC Horn or one of those guys is right there where they need to be. Like just, just the way the the numbers fall. I kind of like cornerback, whereas like tackle, for example, there just aren't a lot of guys who you'd like to take where the Broncos would be picking. If that's where you wanted to go, probably as it stands. Now,
3: Jake, your read on this. I think Hank pretty much nailed it. I think cornerback would be the odds on favorite, um even though it's not i mean how many quarterbacks are we gonna see in the first round here? I mean two, three maybe mm. I mean, I just don't think that the position is really the 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 assets are really there at the position this year. It's you know
2: three four maybe yeah.
3: Yeah, so that's kind of where I would lean. Also, I like what Hank was saying about how, I mean, you take out a guy that's injured or whatever, and this secondary kind of falls. I mean, you already have that at the beginning of the year, right? Because isn't Boye have to serve the rest of that suspension? Yeah. So that's something that I would look out for. Behind cornerback, though, I mean, quarterback, right? I I, I mean, assuming we have to wait the next three games to just really get Drew Locke's full body of work and then evaluate that. I mean, I where else would you go, though? I don't think the edge is really in the conversation. Wide receiver is obviously not in the conversation. Neither is tight end, so I just don't know where else you'd go.
2: Interior defensive line, but there are a few candidates. Uh, Justin?
0: Yeah, that was the thing. Is I was going to say I, I would like to see them maybe sure up the interior D line. I don't know if there's really going to be anybody there assuming they pick between 10 and yeah. 15 where that pick really makes sense. I don't, I'm trying to think of something just for variety's sake so we don't all just be like, yeah, they're going to take a corner, but I, I could see the interior defensive line. I would like to see them upgrade a linebacker. I'm I'm still not sold on this core as a whole yet. I know Josie no. Jewel has been better this year, but I I just think he leaves a lot to be desired and pass coverage, so if, if you could get somebody out there, I'd, I'd like to upgrade a Find somebody a little bit more athletic, but ultimately, I think corner. Just based on the situation with Bouye, we don't really know what um, Callahan's health situation is going to be like long term. So that you know, another great point for why they would like to add depth. There may be a safety if you lose Justin Simmons, I guess, but it's the same thing between ten and fifteen. Is there a safety that they would take? I don't think so.
2: Yeah, well, I think it's an interesting point made by um, the count that. There, is, there has been a little peculiarity being shown by Fanjo with defensive prospects, especially with them drafting defensive prospects high. Now, of course, he came in with a defense being the strength of the team, um, so they have addressed offense primarily in these first two years under Fanjo. And again, all these decisions made in a vacuum, so we can look back and read into it a lot. But we'll see. You know, o- over the years, that'll probably correct itself. It used to be that the trend was Elway always drafts defense, but that's corrected itself lately. You know, there's there's ebbs and flows, and uh, you know, things that seem like major trends will correct themselves over time. Um, I think. So I think there there might be a point to what the count's saying about cornerbacks, which is like, unless Fanjo's going to be super sold on someone. Uh, Yeah, they probably won't spend a first round pick on a cornerback unless he really, really feels like someone who's going to create mismatches or erase mismatches, uh, which is what you should be looking at. And I think the same thing could be said about linebacker. Well, I think JOK does fit that mold Um, and just so in general, I guess I would cheat a little bit and say if I were to guess a direction they would go in in round one and handicap it, I would say the most likely position would be a kind of hybrid defender, a bit of a more versatile defender who can really fit as that nickel defender. And that might be JOK, who could both fit in that spot similar to an Isaiah Simmons and then also be a a very complimentary interior linebacker to play next to A.J. Johnson. It could be that Kareem Jackson gets moved back to cornerback or, you know, the way he plays that they're starting to think of a replacement. Um, And then I would look at, you know, like Javon Holland, um, Tolanoa Hufanga, who had a great week. um, And I'm really excited to see the USC safety again, another week against Oregon. Lots of love for Trevon uh, Moring, who I need to watch more. Um, You know, Sean Wade, dropping on boards because he's not playing well outside he plays very well in the nickel Javon Holland excels in that kind of position like a a baker like someone like that so I think that might be that missing piece on defense that they would address that might also line up with the need that might be coming in the future um but I think really everything's on the table I think linebacker is very much on the table I think um Edge rusher could very much be on the table still as they're looking forward to 2021. Um, And I was talking to you guys privately. I think a really nice need would be kind of this new position that in a lot of ways is arising in the NFL, which is that running back wide receiver hybrid. There are a million different types. There's Eckler, there's Kamara, there's Austin. um, Austin Eckler, I just said. uh, McCaffrey, of course. Antonio Gibson's kind of different. Kareem Hunt kind of does that. Um, Josh
0: jacobs a little bit i mean he just yeah. played it last night
2: right um i mean so you really have and we saw dominic felton the ucla kid who really fits dimitric. that kind of role dimitric of course i got that wrong uh, got but so it's, a, it it's right, a d though. first name uh he really fits that mold Tooney, who we've been drooling over all year kind of fits that role um elijah moore who i saw in Mel hyper's latest rankings ranked in the top 25 He's more of a hybrid returner, yak gadget weapons than a true like hybrid running back, but he kind of fits that mold. Rondell Moore, when I brought this up, Jake, you were saying he'd be perfect. That's, That's another guy. position I would, uh, you know, maybe look at. Like if we're going after luxury picks, well, shoot, let's get real luxurious up in here and add just that final real fancy piece uh, at the offensive skill positions and let's roll.
0: There have Is
1: been ETN more than running
0: back one at this point.
1: Yeah, there have been more than a couple uh, mock drafts that I've had where I've taken Travis Etienne in the first round.
0: Like, it's 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 not hard to justify. Like, if you go especially into this offseason... if you slip and win a couple of these games and you're picking more closer to, yeah. like, 15 to 20 versus, mm-hmm. like, 10 to 13. Yep. I, I love him, man. Yeah,
1: especially if they can get off of Melvin Gordon because of his upcoming likely suspension or whatever we call it at this point. Then you're sitting there with one running back and that running back is Phillip Lindsay, like a, The perfect running back to add a compliment like this to. You know, and I think, I think that's what they tried to do. They've shown that that is something that they want to have and they just made a mistake by choosing Melvin Gordon to fill that role. I think that there is certainly a world where Etienne's a Bronco.
2: I mean, that's an interesting question because I look at this running back class. It's really intriguing. Mm-hmm. And I think after Indy... After these guys do some stuff at Lucas Oil Stadium without wearing pads, one of these guys, if not multiple, are jumping into the first round. And you are exactly right, Justin. What if they're no longer drafting at 15? What if they're closer to that 18th pick? And then I don't know if Javante Williams runs a four-four-five. 4 5 I, You could talk me into that. Um, sure. Najee Harris, same thing. Yeah. ETN, same thing. Uh, if Kyland. you only get one, who are you
0: going right now? Just all three of you. You get one running back, you're picking at 18. They're all on the board. Who are you going?
1: It's, it's got to be ETN to me. I, I think that it just has to be at this point, especially with the Broncos' needs. Like Najee's tempting. I really like Kylan Hill, and I really think that he is yeah. going to be like the next Alvin Kamara, but the first one, I think it has to be ETN.
3: It's really close for me because I like so many of these guys. Yeah. I like Javante a lot. I like Etienne a lot. But Najee Harris, I mean, you want to talk about someone that's actually shown like right. value in the passing game and run game. Yeah, I mean, that's been the most impressive underrated as me. a pass catcher. Great. Absolutely, point. that's been the one thing that's been standing out to me more than anything with his game is how he's grown as a pass catcher and just how dynamic he can really be. And he, I think, he really fits that mold that Melvin Gordon was brought in to kind of fill. And, you know, you can kind of future proof that role when you bring in Najee and you could get rid of Melvin Gordon at the same time. I don't know if that makes sense money-wise with the contract, but it's just, I mean, he's only got a year left, so it's still plug a hole, but Najee is my guy.
2: He could be a little Kareem Hunt-esque in his, like, you know, we just talked about all those hybrid running backs. Like Hunt isn't the first one that comes to mind, but in that role, he's played really well. And I could see Najee being the same way like not a burner not like the kind of power that derrick henry has but still a dude that man how did we let him get in space one-on-one like now we're getting torched yeah. um, one more
0: factor before we move on that, yeah and who knows how much nfl gms actually put this into consideration but Najee didn't have to take that many carries throughout oh. his career he got to play behind a. this is a guy that's going to go into the nfl assuming nothing horrible happens what is the next couple of weeks and or you know he should be healthy. Yeah. That's gonna be a big factor. ETN has had a lot of touches over the years. Yeah. That's a lot of contact, a lot of wear and tear. And he kind Just, of you
3: know, came back to unnecessarily
0: if it comes for down to those year. two. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But did he come back unnecessarily or did he not get great feedback? That's what I keep coming back to is I wonder if we like ETN more than the NFL does. My answer is Javante though. I am he's so good. I'm prospect crushing on this kid. He's so good. Oh, He's insane. That, I, I'm just like, I used to be super speed obsessed because that's just the direction the game's going in. Now I'm more obsessed with guys who can bring a power element while still having that speed. And he's that to a T at the running back position. He's splitting carries. So he doesn't have all that tread on the tires either that you were talking about with Najee. Not as bad, not as you know, battle tested in the passing game. Um, but man, he's uh he's scary. He is scary once he gets into the open field. I love this kid. Let him get to one of these like zone blocking teams where they're gonna get him, you know, one cut and go. Yikes, watch out. He, he
0: kind of reminds me of Josh Jacobs, country, man. Sorry, I, yeah. I keep interrupting.
2: Oh, hey Jake. <laughs> good point, Jake. Yeah, that's a good comp. What were you gonna say, Justin?
0: I was just gonna just add nothing important that UNC offense. We said Florida and Alabama are the best offenses. UNC probably the most fun offense in my opinion. Yep. And Jake's been I mean Jake's been on UNC longer than any of us. He got us sold right off the bat. I kind of no h- I kind of jumped on that bandwagon. It's been they're a fun team. I'm I'm really intrigued by them going into next year. Maybe yeah. the ACC favorite.
2: And while we're on Broncos prospects for UNC, Chash Surratt looked great last week. They're Interior linebacker who used to be a, a quarterback. Um, so he's still raw, but man, he is a bad dude. Hank, any final notes on the running backs? Um, Mel Kuyper just came out with his updated rankings. Jermar Jefferson of Oregon State, who you've mentioned before, his fourth running back in the class, with Dimitri Felton sixth. So uh, I, I thought that in his rankings, The Pac-12 was underrepresented. I'd say the same about the Mount West. For example, no Trey McBride in his tight end rankings. And I think we'll see that nationally. The West prospects, uh, a lot of the opt-outs have already gotten the love, but now we got to catch up on that Pac-12 and Mount West tape in those final six games, and the national media will start to catch up. But Jefferson already getting some love now.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's really good. He he is more of the between the tackles type of runner, like still very good athlete. You have to be to be up there. I don't love him as much in that, like catching the ball role. Yeah. I'd be curious what the numbers actually look like. But yeah, I mean, I, w- before you brought up all these names, I was going to say, you know, when we all have this many guys that we like, maybe it isn't a first round need. M- yep. Maybe it is something too. where you wait and get yourself a Demetric Felton or a Kylan Hill in the fourth round or get yourself a a Jermar Jefferson, for example, in the second or third round. Um, And and that really has to be the discussion to me is, are you really in that good of a place that that you can justify spending a first round pick on a running back? When who knows how big this separation is going to be between the first round guy and the third round guy? I mean, who's been the best, rookie running back this year i guess jonathan taylor might be taking that over but i mean you could make a real claim that's james robinson who went undrafted and and I, i do think that maybe there is some more separation um at other positions than at running back especially when we aren't talking about any of these guys as like top 10 picks but i i there are there are a bunch of guys i really like and if they took one of them in the first round i wouldn't i wouldn't be the one complaining
2: Going back to the counts question, the more we have these types of discussions, the more it seems clear to me, especially if Drew Locke proves to be the guy that is worth gambling another year on at least, um, that the spot the Broncos will be drafting in is just not great. It's a prime spot to try and trade down. Um, and you got to kind of hope that one of these offensive linemen or wide receivers or quarterbacks is still available by the time the Broncos are on the clock so that there actually are teams behind them incentivized to trade back up because the other scenario is all those teams drafting in that range who do have quarterbacks are kind of dead in the water because like you already loaded up on wide receivers. You've got your young quarterback. There might be some nice depth at offensive line. There might be some nice depth at cornerback, uh, even nice depth at edge, though maybe you're reaching by that point, but it's mostly going to be wide receiver tight end. Um, and it might be a tough spot in all these positions of need. I would love to trade down and do exactly what they did in that Noah Fant, uh, drew lock, Dalton Reisner draft Add an extra top 50 pick. And then all of a sudden you're addressing all these needs that might not be immediate needs right now, but by the off season of 2022 safety cornerback right tackle with Juwan James running back once Melvin Gordon's contracts up and God knows what Philip Lindsay's doing. These all will be needs in uh four to five years. And it's in contrast to maybe the biggest immediate need is the interior defensive line. And there's no, one. there is no one. The big riser in Kuyper's rankings was uh, Davion Nixon, the defensive tackle out of Iowa. Uh, he's promising. He's been productive. We'll dig into his tape. But I think, you know, his big rise is also a factor in there really being no candidates on the interior defensive line. It's crazy. Uh, we just it, and it all of this underlines the kind of weird year it is. Where a lot of these dudes, I'm going off their 2019 tape. A lot of these dudes, we won't have seen on the field for 18 months. And that's just different. That's just different. Gambling on a guy without having tape of him for almost two years and just gambling on the tools and the rawness you saw on tape two years ago really taking off and running now. So it's going to be a weird one.
1: Yeah, I, I think we should circle back to this. And maybe we each just bring our like rankings like of what we think is most likely Um, because I think where this conversation has to go next is to quarterback because that is the one other really big need. Um, But we've had the drew lock talk a few times. And so I feel like maybe we should just push that to next week after we get one more game and then say, like for me right now, I'm thinking cornerback is still number one, most likely Um, maybe linebacker. And then mm-hmm. running back or quarterback is right there for me. Yeah.
2: And edge offensive tackle probably sneakily in there with that slot defender um, potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like I could almost handicap it and it'd be like cornerback plus 200. uh. Yeah, linebacker plus 400, quarterback plus 600, trade down plus 800, something like that. If I had to put odds on it right this moment.
3: One more point with the corners, though. I mean, just look at – I mean, I know, Andre, you've been preaching. you got to look at it in a vacuum, and I agree. But you just look at last year. And, I mean, they took Oja Moody in the third round, and Basie was an undrafted guy. I mean, I, Vangio's kind of shown that he can work with these guys that aren't necessarily blue-chip prospects, and he can have them contribute right away. So, yep. I mean, there are some top corners. I mean, you got got uh, Sertain, you got Horn, uh, Kendrick might be in that conversation. But I think the Broncos, Farley, if they sure. Farley, too. If they miss out on those top guys, I think they'd still be fine. I mean, yeah. you might not get the high-profile yeah. guy, but I think you can get someone that can definitely be worked with and brought into the fold very quickly.
2: Agreed. The thing about Fanjo's defense is coming into his hire, I said you don't need high-end cornerbacks, and that's been proven true. What I did say is you probably need high-end linebackers. He's proven that's not true. So he's proven that regardless, he doesn't need high-end corners. He doesn't need high-end linebackers. He can make it work with high-end safeties. He can probably make it work without high-end safeties, but then you need another of those areas in the back seven to be high-end. So what I'm getting from Fangio is, yes, you don't need one specific area, but boy, it would sure be nice to have a stud in one of those areas to kind of make up for your lack of studs in other areas, if that makes any sense. So it doesn't matter how you split the pie. Well, let's just use some premium assets on this back seven, and not put it all on Ed Donatel and Vic Fangio's shoulders, because that's kind of what they're doing right now. And I'm not sure I love that strategy.
0: Better resign Justin Simmons, man.
2: Yeah, they have
3: cap space though, man.
2: Damn straight, damn straight. That, yeah, there's no
0: reason not to. Is the thing yeah. like the to get it done?
2: Shelby Harris is the cap. And I was I was kind of questionable
0: concerned. going into the season, to be honest. I was, you know, is he worth yep. the money? Yep. Yes, he is, based on everything we've seen absolutely
2: it's been solid he's been solid Henry do we have any closeout notes um any reads you need to make or we're good
1: no we're good on those I did just realize that oh no we're gonna have to have a Justin Simmons conversation after this season and I still don't know where I stand on that
2: those are probably the needs yeah it's gonna be a wild one it's a it's a fun one um with there being kind of a lack of clarity on stuff so yeah we will be having Yep. Lots more discussions like this. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in to the DMVR Draft Podcast. Uh, This was a fun discussion. We've got a ton of championships to recap next week. I'm Jones to talk mocks. We'll see if we finally have time to actually do that. Drew Locke talk, as you guys hinted to, and much more of assessing the Broncos' needs and all that. Uh, Thanks for your questions. Thanks for listening in. Catch us next week. Bye.